Hello and welcome to Onto the Ball. I'm your host, Scott Nicholl, and I'm joined as ever by my co-hosts, Travis Morgan and James O.B. O'Brien. We're here to go through a massive weekend of football. FA Cup weekend it was. Manchester United beat Everton 3-1. Liverpool drew 2-2 with Wolves. We're going to go through everything for the next half an hour to 45 minutes. Travis is going to explain to us how Man United achieved the win against a dire Everton at home, as well as why Zhao Felix would rather play for a struggling crap Chelsea than top four contenders Man United. And Obi is going to explain to me very eloquently how Cody Gakpo is going to solve all our midfield issues. <laughs> if, <laughs> if you're if Love you're it. if you're a subscriber if you're a Good subscriber that, <laughs> if you're a subscriber to the channel um, can I just say thank you for your support so far we're nearly at 300 subscribers it's amazing it's been a mad four or five months since we started the channel if you're new to the channel I'm not even going to ask you to subscribe I'm going to ask you to watch 20 minutes to half an hour of this video make your own mind up and if you like what you see hit the subscribe button then as well as the like trav ob how are you lads you okay how was your weekend i know how yours was ob the same as mine probably yeah yeah uh good thank you mate overall good yeah just a, a lot of football um to sort of digest and to sort of recover from really <laughs> i feel like i just can't shake this cold like this cough off i've got a really bad cough but I just can't seem to shake it off no matter what I do. But apart from that, no, weekend was chilled, nice. Just watch football most of it, to be fair. So, yeah, good. Perfect. Travis, we'll start Friday night. We're going to start with Manu. I feel like we will start with Liverpool. Like, it's a Liverpool podcast and it's not. We're the, hot, we're the hot topic at the minute. Oh, yeah. So, I was. should we do five minutes on Manu, get out the way and <laughs> then slag Liverpool for 45 minutes? <laughs> Excuse me. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, uh, Friday night, the, the one thing that struck me was how strong Hag went. Uh, mm. with, his, with his team it wasn't full strength was it um, he, he rested one or two but he was still strong he obviously wanted to dispatch Everton with minimal fuss um, I didn't watch all of the game I did watch some of it um, how impressed were you and you're through the fourth round nice and easy and Frank Lampard somehow is still in a job God knows how the guy's got nine lives um, I don't know what it's going to take for him to lose his job to be fair he's just losing heavily all the time but Fair enough, if they've got a project and they see him at the helm, but how long can it last? You know what I mean? It, it can't be a project if, it, if it's going this dire and they're just sticking with him. But in terms of United, like you said, I think it was interesting because I did think we would go fairly strong because we've got the EFL Cup game on tomorrow. So I thought he would rest a lot of players them against Charlton in the quarterfinals, um, still being comfortable that we should we should get through that game, to be fair. But... I think the most interesting one for me, I know he's playing very well, but sure at centre-back, especially with Lindelof and Maguire being fit, I'm just so surprised that he's persisting with Shaw. And there were some strong rumours in, in, over Twitter and in the media that Maguire was going to be going joining Aston Villa because he was pictured in a restaurant with his um, brother and his agent um, right next to Villa's training ground. And it and everything started going viral. He's going to Villa. They're looking for about forty million. Um, <laughs> yeah, <What? laughs> yeah, I know. I think I, I heard today though that it's uh, that's not true. Yeah, um, yeah. And it, he, he was play, he was was he not playing golf at the Belfry or something? And oh, everybody just jumped to jumped to completely the wrong conclusion. Yeah, and um, therefore it's, it's it's like it's it's a non-starter. I, I don't think either club are that interested in that move. I no, don't want to say I don't want to say your yeah. sources are flawed, Ob, but we know it's not true. As soon as you mentioned forty million pounds <laughs> for, for Harry Ricketts Maguire, he's, he's thirty. He's thirty in five months' time. Like honestly, if he doesn't get bought in a fight fifteen million pound deal in the next twelve months, which I don't still don't think he will, he's leaving Manchester United on a free. That's how bad he yeah. is. Sorry, Trav, back to you. No, but it's true because I spoke to... It's funny, I spoke to my mum about this, actually. She's an Arsenal fan. And I did speak to my mum and she said, he seems like one of those players who, like, sort of seems like it's too good to be true at United for him and he'll just sit on that contract until it drains. And and you can see that. And I think Ole Gunnar Solskjaer would have done the same before he got sacked. I didn't think he would have left on his own accord. And it's true, like you said, he might be a player that's really difficult to get rid of. 
But back to the game, um, we made a blistering start ahead after three minutes. We came right out of the traps. Everton struggled to cope with the tempo that we started at. And I thought after one going 1-0 one up, I thought this could be 4 or 5 quite easily if we keep this tempo going. But for the first time in a while, I thought we got a little bit complacent. I think we almost thought it was going to be a little bit too easy. And we sort of invited Everton on to us. And some individuals are quite dangerous. Obviously, Calvert-Lewin's missed a big chunk of the season. He's one of their better players. But in Damari Gray, is so direct. And in this league, if you've got pace, you can cause most people problems. It doesn't really matter how technically good you are. If you've got pace and you can run by people... He was one of those players that caused a lot of problems for United, even though we'd been defending really well. I thought we just invited them on to us, invited him to get back into the game. And the goal just sort of came, not at, it came out of nothing really, because Everton, they didn't really, they, tactically they weren't as good as us. They didn't do anything special. They just kept getting the ball to Gray and he was just causing problems with his direct pace. And the goal was an absolute howler from De Gea. I don't know what he's doing. I, I Literally, I've watched it back about five times and I just still can't work out what decision he was trying to make. Like, he didn't try and kick it away. He didn't try and collect it with his hands. He just sort of watched it go between his legs. It was really bizarre. It was just, I just can't explain it. And that was one each and I thought... Is it going to be one of them games where we just like sort of throw it away? But I was quietly confident. We needed half time. We were quite scrappy from about 25 minutes up, up until half time, giving the ball away cheap. Again, inviting Everton and giving them encouragement. And Lampard probably would have went in at half time, pretty pleased that they weren't on the end of a hiding. But in the second half, again, Rashford, we started the first, the second half, how we started the first half, Rashford going down the line just running at Coleman 1v1. He had him on toast, really. And the own goal, there's nothing Cody could have done about it. He had to try and intervene, stop that going across the face of the box. And he was left with no choice but then to put it into his own net. But again, the second half, we didn't really carry on with the tempo. Like Similar to the first half, made a great start to the second half and then sort of made life difficult for ourselves. And, and is it the first time in a while where I thought our game management weren't really great. We didn't really manage the game well. Everton could have quite easily equalised, and they did through the offside goal. They were, it was pretty tight, but he was just offside. I do think it was the right decision. And then we got the penalty, which wrapped the game up. So I wouldn't have called it comfortable, but if we would have lost that game, we would have been really ruining kicking ourselves. Absolutely, definitely. Obi, did you watch the Man United game? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I thought, I thought, I mean, Trav's pretty much got it bang on there. I think that United didn't really control the game when they were ahead. And I think that's the first time I've seen them not manage to do that in quite a while. Because mm. if you think about away at Wolves, although, like, once you got the goal, you just controlled the game. You saw the game out in a few little hairy moments. Yeah. They got, got away with one when that offside got. It was a great move. And that's the, that's the bizarre thing from Everton is you'll get moments of absolute quality from them. And I think that's what probably frustrates Lampard and, and, and probably frustrates the supporters more than anything yeah. was that if that, if, if, if that would have just been onside and it was close, but it was offside, um, if it had been onside, that, that had changed everything because there was a... There was, Quite a few thousand, I mean, what was it, seven or eight thousand Everton fans at the game because it's FA Cup. They were well up for it. You could hear them throughout the game. And I thought that's the moment they needed. But ultimately, it was offside. United saw it through. But they didn't look entirely comfortable at points in a game that they really did control from from my perspective. I think Rashford took his, I mean, he, he, he just made a difference. He come on the pitch, he just made a difference, didn't he? I think yeah. the whole thing around him... Um, having issues he's in great form he just needs to play more football and I think yeah. Ken Hag's probably got that point across to him in the right way it reminded me a little bit of um, how Liverpool are playing now that game like it was just so open like wild. both teams just looked like they could have scored goals in the game like you said neither side had really firm control of it and that that was quite rare for us because in recent times we've been controlling games really well and it was a little bit worrying um, how open the game was. Um, like even the even the equaliser that got disallowed, we just seemed really stretched. It, it just felt like we were chasing the game all the time. It was very weird. Like everything just seemed like a recovery run. There was no sort of shape 
on the counter attack. No one seemed to be sitting, sort of thing. We, even Casemiro seemed like he was bombing on. It, like I said, it seemed like when I was watching it, it was almost too easy for us, and everyone wanted to score. That's the feeling that I got. It was just sort of everybody ahead of the ball, everybody playing in front. No, no one sitting. No real discipline about our game, and it was a little bit of a worry because. There's no way we can go into the City game like that because it, it, that could be 5-0 at half-time. It's, 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 in, it's interesting as well, but I think you look, and I know you've had some good home performances, I think you look slightly better away from home. And it's probably because teams are coming on to you more and it seems to suit what Ten Hag's doing at the moment. Yeah. Um, the City game's at home, isn't it? And I think yeah. that's going to be a real test because that is a big pitch at Old Trafford and... When yous aren't playing well, a big mm. pitch against a quality team, it's going to be a lot of work for yous to cover. Yeah. Um, I think it could be really difficult for yous at home against City. No, no, I, I can see exactly where you're coming from. And the game plan, if we're going to stand any chance in that game, has got to be absolutely spot on. I mean, City only play one way. We know they're going to dominate the ball for at least 60% of the time. Um, and we know that. So we've really got to sit in. We've really got to be quiet narrow with the way that we play but they're so clever the thing is they create good overloads in the middle but then their wide players keep major width and it's something that Pep Guardiola is sort of notoriously known for I mean Van Hall tried a similar style when he was at United but he did it in a in a much more boring way without the tempo and the passing and it was quite easy to defend in a low block against it but with Pep Guardiola if you notice the likes of Mares, Grealish, whoever's wide, they they just stay on the touchline for the majority of the game. You get the you get the fullbacks if they're not playing in midfield, make a lot of underlapping runs as well, and it's just so difficult to defend against. So I think we've got to play a lot of pace on the wings ourselves, just make the most of it on the counter attack. And if anything, the way Liverpool have had a lot of success against City is by playing really direct. And it sounds horrible, but sometimes you've just got to smash it over the top and just have yeah. a race. And I'd fancy Rashford against any any one of their defenders, apart from probably Kyle Walker, um, to, in, in a foot race. So I think we've just got to sit in deep, play a little bit direct, play a few long balls and just test them behind and see, and see what they've got. So yeah, it's going to be a difficult game, but I think if we approach it in that way, I think we'll be okay. Almost play it like the away team. Uh, yeah. is what you're saying pretty much play it like the away team at home mm. um, make sure that the team understands that there'll be parts of the game where you have to do that um, and I think, I'm sure the supporters will be absolutely fine as long as it stays sort of nil-nil and it stays close for long enough they, they'll be happy with that won't they yeah for sure I think so yeah like I said the longer the game goes on the longer I think it will suit us in the game um, we know like I said they're going to have a lot of the ball but I'm looking forward to it. I don't normally look forward to Man U City games recently, to be fair, but I am actually looking forward to this one, to be fair. I think it's going to be a titanic tussle. I know we we fell, well, we're five points behind them, I think. No, four, I believe it is. So we can really close the gap on them if if we can manage to get victory. But I think there's there's a few ways you can look at these next couple of games against Arsenal and City. I mean, if you win one, lose one, it's more points than actually drawing both games. And it doesn't seem yeah. like it doesn't seem like that's a positive thing, but it sometimes it can be all about momentum. I mean, if you draw both of those games, you come out the other side and you think, Do you know what, you're still unbeaten, the run still continues, Do you know what I mean? You don't have to start a run again. So I don't know what I'd rather do. Like I think if you're gonna if you're gonna win one of the games, you wanna win one of the you wanna win the first one, the city one, because then you then you say, Right, well, the Arsenal games are a little bit more of a free hit that way. But if you lose to City, then it's pressure going into the Arsenal game. So yeah. I think if you asked me now, I would take a draw in both of the games. I think we've got to beat City at home, but that is a very difficult game. But if you asked me now, I'd, I'd take draws in both games and move on from it. Yeah. 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 We can't see you. There we go. Yeah. Yeah, you're back. You're back. That's all right. That was brilliant content as well. <laughs> <laughs> right, I think it, it, it's fine. It's recorded it. It's just me, but I'm back. Uh, I don't okay. think this is working now. So 
I'm sure I'm going off the microphone uh, on can, the camera. You can call you can call the thumbnail disappearing like Liverpool's midfield. <laughs> <laughs> A shadow. Um, yeah, and, and, and over, overall with, with United, I think there's there's more more signs that things are positive than not. I do yeah. think I do think that game you didn't completely control it, but you get away with it against Everton. And like you boys were saying, how Lampard hasn't been booted yet, I have absolutely no idea. It's beyond me. I think he's uh, he's sending him backwards, which is a, a joy. Really, it's a joy <laughs> to watch because that lovely new stadium. They'll be uh, they'll be playing championship football there next season, and that can't wait. That's the thing; he's going to send them straight down, isn't he, to the, the yeah. championship? Yeah, he is, and he is. And if they don't change the manager, they will go down. Which is, yeah. um, I mean, they basically need to get rid of him now and bring uh, Sam in to the end of the season <laughs> to save him, don't they? That, that's, that's the only way forward. Brilliant, big Sam, Trav, uh, Veghorst, and yeah. Jao, Jao Felix. What on earth is going on? I mean, look, I know it's hard. If, if Martial is your first choice striker, I know yeah. it's hard to bring someone else in pretty much saying you're going to be on the bench for the next six months. But what do you know? What What's happened? Have you chose Veghorst over Jao Felix? Um, is Jao Felix signed for Chelsea? I've seen it yeah. all over YouTube. Today. I, think, I, think they're in, I think they're in talks. I think what it boils down to is, let's be honest with ourselves, we haven't got the money to get Felix. We, we, we just haven't got the but money. But it's on loan, isn't it? Yeah, but the, the the loan fee and package is twenty million plus wages. Like, I just we just haven't got that money. And in all in all honesty, I can't criticize the club as much as I have done in terms of the business that we've done. To then go and get Felix without an option to buy. Now, is he the profile of striker that I would like at United? Yes personally Felix I, I do actually like him as a player I think he's that good a player he can fit in most systems but the jury's sort of out in terms of being a goal scorer that's probably the one area that isn't really boxed off in his game he's got everything he's got the link up he's got the quality he's got the technical ability he's got the the age is perfect but if you want a goal scorer somebody that who's going to win your games just through scoring goals, not necessarily playing well, there is a question mark against him. And that's me being honest. That isn't me just saying that because we're not going to end up with him. I think if he goes to Chelsea, they'll have the same sort of issues. He's not really somebody who's just going to score goals and sort of dig you out of the crap. He's not that type of player. It, things need to be sort of not working for him because that's unfair to say, like he can't create things out of his own back, but he's like anyone he needs to be part of a functioning system to really excel he's not just going to go in and score goals anywhere so the Vegos thing I'm not saying it's better he doesn't he definitely doesn't get me off my seat he's not an, like an exciting profile like oh my god I can't wait to get Vegos he's going to be unbelievable it's not that type of signing but from a business perspective and the squad dynamic I think it is a better choice because you can tell the noise is with, when Ten Hag speaks about Martial after games, he seems to like what he's bringing to the team. And I think he sees Martial as his first choice player. Whether that's right or not, I don't know. And, and the fans are quite split on that Martial thing, whether he's going to be the per right person. And, and like you two always banter me, he's like been there for eight years. When is he going to come good? But for some reason, Ten Hag likes him. I think he's his first choice. So for somebody who's happy to be a rotational player and he's, and he's going to bust his balls off for so six months at United, if he if he gives it his all, scores a few goals, he might get himself a little one-year deal. Do you know what I mean? Or, or a two-year deal. He's going to give it his everything. So for him, it's a dream move. I think for United and the dynamic, it's, it's okay. And I'm just content with it. I'm not excited and I'm not distraught. I suppose as well, with, with you being in all the competitions, you're going to need that little bit of depth, aren't you? And, and from what I understand, getting getting him back from Besiktas to Burnley, it'll cost some money because Besiktas will need paid off. That's my understanding. And then the rest of the deal should be quite simple between Burnley and Man United and obviously the player itself. But I think there's the Besiktas piece where it's going to cost a little bit of money. So that that might be the only complication. How much, how much money did he want to spend on somebody who's probably only going to play FA Cup games and come off the bench after 70, 75 minutes if things ain't going right. 
I, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. I think I don't think he can be six foot six and not be a little bit of a handful. Just it, it's going to be awkward. You know, you can see it one each with twenty minutes to go, and you're bringing on some six foot six lamppost and throwing, yeah, it, throwing the ball into the box. It, it might just work. It might be. It's it's probably worth taking a gamble on if it's not going to cost much money. And like you said, it's going to beef up the squad a bit. Ronaldo's out. He's coming. And he's going to just be happy to be there and give his all. And he might score a few goals. And let's hope it works. Let's hope it, he scores the goal, yeah. gets us into the top four or consolidates that. Cause we're it's, not... just, it's just surprising as someone that Burnley didn't fancy in the Premier League and happy to loan out is now being considered. But stranger things have happened. It does work out sometimes. So it, it's just a bit of a weird one. He did have a good World Cup and he looked like he was a decent threat. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it, it could work out. And people compare it to the um, Sebastian Haller thing because he, he wasn't really good at um, West Ham. And when Ten Hag took him to Ajax and he scored a lot of goals and then he got his move to Dortmund. So everybody sees him as a similar profile, that sort of target man, tall, physical striker that we sort of need. And, and to be honest, we haven't got that dynamic in our squad. We haven't got that. Do you know what I mean? All of our strikers are all want to come to feet or want to link up. So it is something different. So let's just, fingers crossed, I hope it works. And like you say, uh, Ten Hag is going for the Cups, isn't he? He went strong in the FA Cup against Everton, so he clearly wants to take that serious. He's got a real good chance of getting in the semi-final of the League Cup because Charlton are a bit of a gimme, let's be honest. If Ten mm. Hag wants to win it, he will, depending on what team he puts out. And then the Europa League, He's still going to want to go far in that. And if he could win that final uh, and get top four, it'll have been a successful start for Ten Hag, wouldn't it? So, like you say, he's going to need uh, quite a big squad to compete on four fronts. I, I, I would say, though, that might be what costs United as well with the league position. If he tries to chase them all, we saw what happened with Liverpool last season. He tried to chase them all, and then you can end up with a little bit of a hangover the season after or potentially can start to unravel, particularly playing Thursday night, Sunday, because we've seen that a lot with teams. And if you're you're throwing FA Cup games in with all sorts of bizarre kickoff times and then the Carabao Cup every every Tuesday or Wednesday, I think that's going to cause a lot of complications to United's season. Three cup finals then for United. Yes, Obi? Yeah, and then six Lose points. Them all. Lose them all. <laughs> yeah, and finish six. <laughs> yes. Um, let's get on to Liverpool. That was a good segment on Man United. Um, Travis is clearly still buzzing and loving, or as Travis would say, we're cooking. So, <laughs> fair play to Man United. Travis, yeah. did you watch Liverpool Wolves on Saturday night? Yeah. I'm sure you what, did, the, didn't you? what, the basketball game? <laughs> <laughs> That's what it felt like I was watching. Jeez. It was a bit game? Oh, for the neutral, it's a great watch, but for a fan, you must be tearing your hair out. And and I'll be honest, Liverpool Wolves fans probably will come away from that game kicking themselves, feeling a little bit unlucky. Not with the offside goal, because it was offside on a technicality, but just they had so many big opportunities in the game to sort of the final ball let him down or a wasted pass or and that that will be quite alarming for Liverpool. I don't think it's Liverpool massively alarming. It's it scared the life out of me to be honest. Yeah, it, it's just I don't know, like I don't want it to go on you're not as bad as Chelsea. I don't want to put you in that bracket. There's still signs of quality during games when I watch you play. But it's just so you're just so far off in terms of like you said that like OB said and, and you said Scott, in terms of control in a game you're miles away from what you're used to. Absolutely miles. Just teams like Wolves being able to just cut through you like a knife through butter just should not be happening. It's so alarming. And like we said, we can bang on about transfers. It's so evident you need to spend money on your midfield. But if you're not going to do it this window, which I personally don't think you're going to buy a midfielder this window, the manager has to do... I'm not, blame, I'm not saying clop out on none of that rubbish, but he has to do something in order to start getting more control of games from now to the end of the season because it's simply not sustainable. I mean, if you look at the draw, if you do get through this tie, you've got Brighton away. Do you know what I mean? That, that is not going to be easy at all with the way that you're playing at the minute. So we're, out, I, we're basically out. If Wolves don't put us out, Brighton are going to put us out. 
basically. Well, you'd struggle. You'd struggle to feel confident as a fan saying, "Yeah, we're going to go to Brighton away and win that game in the court." Do you know what I mean? Like it's the, not the, the bizarre thing about our season is we could well do it, and th- th- that's the thing. You never quite know what you're going to get. And the last three games we have been absolutely rotten. I was at one of them and I could see that we were struggling and I thought to myself, we've had this international break with the World Cup and everything else, had time to reset, the, the team have been out in Dubai and we'll come back and we've actually got worse. Yeah, and I worse. don't know how I don't know how that's possible. It's like worse after the World Cup. Yeah, yeah, hundred yeah, percent. The last three games have been as bad as we've played all season and we won one of them. We were very fortunate against Leicester. Um, I was at that game and I thought we were we were wild in that game. And we got away with it because Leicester was struggling for confidence a little bit. But the, the Dewsbury Hall goal, he basically walks through, walks through the middle of the park and scores. That never happens. And then obviously we went on to Brentford. We just got battered, outworked, outfought. I mean, he, he just got tactically done as well by by a clear view of how we wanted to play the game. Um, key players didn't look at it, and then and then we move on to the Wolves game, and it was it was the wildest one of all. I mean, it, it, it's great viewing for you neutrals, and I bet the ITV four whatever it was were absolutely loving the fact that he had such a great game of football, mm-hmm. and neutrals would be tuning in to watch that because it was fantastic to watch, but. There is no control. There's no control in the middle of the park. Um, Thiago won six tackles. I think the other two between them won one in the whole game was the stat that was flying around. So for Fabinho and Henderson. And the reason Thiago won so many tackles was he felt like he needed to win the ball back because he was giving it away a few times. <laughs> and and I, that, that's what I think happened in that game because even when for the Allison goal, the Allison mistake of a start, and I thought, I thought that being honest the second one he should have saved as well but the first one um, Thiago loses the ball gets it back to the keeper and then the keeper makes a pass straight straight to the strike it's just ridiculous the whole thing is ridiculous it was like two mistakes Keystone cop stuff and um, we cannot continue to make these mistakes in games we're giving goals away I mean for all Wolves endeavour and how well they played and I'm not 100% sure about the the the, the the alleged winner. Um, there's no way of seeing it. I've seen different steals that show different things, and I'm not going to get into that. But ultimately, you've got to go down the route of if Bar can check it, it's got to go with the linesman's call. The linesman said he thought he was offside, and that's it. Yeah. So, but yeah. apart from that, the two goals that Will scored are soft. It's not like they've scored two corkers, and but they, they were cutting through us and creating chances. But it's just so poor to watch. It's just there's something clearly not right with our midfield. There's no cover. We need to do something completely different as a team. And I do honestly believe that Klopp needs to work, go away and try something different. Whether that be a change of formation, whether it be moving them out of personnel, when actually one of them I was thinking about today is, is now the point to put Trent into midfield? If we're not going to sign anybody, is now the moment to put Trent into midfield? Put mm. Gomez or, or Ramsey or someone like that right back give him that opportunity, move Trent into midfield who has got legs and he can shift and put him into midfield and support the midfield that way. Um, some of them, some of the defensive responsibility for him, but he's got enough now um, as, a, as a natural defender or as a defender who's been playing for four, five, six years as a defender now, that he could help us off the ball a lot in the middle middle of the park. Um I think it, I think he needs to try something different, and I don't know what that is. The other option would be go go back to four four two and try something completely different and make the midfield more solid by putting an extra person in there. Because he he cannot <clears throat> continue with the quality of the players we've got and the problems that we're having with some of them players, whether it be form, whether it be the legs look like they've gone. They need to do something different. He needs to try something different. It echoes the the twenty twenty one season, doesn't it? Ob. I remember, obviously, we were struggling. We had all the centre-backs out. We had Fabinho and Henderson falling into centre-back to try and cover, but that just ruined the midfield. You remember it then. It was still persisting with 4-3-3, and it was like, why isn't Jurgen Klopp trying something different, trying to utilise the fit players he does have to try and find a solution? 
and he just battered on all the way to the end. And we got top four. Reese Williams and Nat Phillips stepped up. It's, it, it echoes that, except the problem now is, like you say, it, it's in midfield. And I sent that to, I can't remember if I sent it in our group, tra- group chat, Trav, but I sent it yeah. to mine and Obi's one. Liverpool's general dual success rate in the Premier League only this season is the worst in the top flight at 47%. We're basically shitting out of challenges, is what that says. Dual success rate is the worst in the top flight. And you can see it, like you say, we got bullied by Leicester. Bullied, especially in the first half. How we got to half-time in that game, like Obi says, 2-1 up with two wild own goals was fortuitous to, to say the least Aston Villa the game before that OB we were lucky to win that I know we it looked quite comfortable 3-1 but in that second half 25 minutes to half an hour of the second half when Watkins pulled one back yeah yeah they got yeah. one back to make it 2-1 and I thought this is going to go 2-2 now but I think the most worrying thing about it was and I'm sure you're the same as me OB you sat there on a Saturday night the missus is in a mood that Liverpool are on and it's ruined Saturday night and you just say, it's not to me, sweetheart. I'm still watching it. You sit down, you look at the Liverpool team and I was happy with it on paper. I thought, we've gone strong. Jurgen Klopp wants to try and get a bit of momentum. Looked at the Wolves team. They must have rested half the team. You thought they've admitted defeat before a ball's kicked. They've scored 11 Premiership goals in 18 games. They can't score for Toffee. They're horrendous up front the second bottom in the league like we say it's at Anfield we're at home everything pointed to a fantastic Saturday night and then what unfolded is just typical Liverpool at the minute no control no consistency shitting out of challenges probably as that um, statistic proves the midfield like you say, we've either got midfielders who are past the best, the wrong side of 30, or we've got midfielders that are teenagers. We just yeah, need yeah, no, you're right. 24, yeah. 25 year old. Uh, it doesn't even have to be that technically brilliant. Just someone who loves a challenge, loves to get stuck in, who gets box to box to box, that frightens you with the kind of running stats that Suchek of West Ham racks up, and everyone's like, Jesus, he must be some player. We just we need someone like that. It's getting so boring now with Thiago on that left quarterback role, spreading out to either fullback for the crowd. Go, Ooh, what a, what a pass! And even the commentators are like, oh, what a sublime footballer he is. We just need more. It's it's painful to watch now. Obviously, I'm surprised he's um, not gone back to Bobby Firmino. You know, like he's injured. That was injured. Yeah. We could literally have a different, a different front front three if they're all fit. It could be Bobby, Diaz and Jota. All three of them are injured at the minute. But to be honest, it's yeah. still not a front three problem to me anyway. Gakpo, he was underwhelming, but it's his debut. I'm, I'm not expecting anything. I'll always yeah, say... Okay. He, he, didn't, he didn't do anything wrong. Like He was, he, he retained the ball well. He looked, he looked quite he positive. He looked right. I think every time he got it, he tried to make something happen. He weren't... I don't think he was desperate. I thought he was quite neat and tidy, actually. Like I said to you on, on, when I spoke to you in, in, on WhatsApp, I thought um, he, he he's a type of winger that likes to link up, definitely. He's not somebody who's going to just strip you on the outside and look to go on the outside in a direct way. He's, he's one of those little ones around the corner, little one-twos and stuff. And I think he'll score goals, but just purely because he's, in, he's intelligent. He's an intelligent player in and around the box. And I think he is a little bit different to what you've got winger-wise, definitely. He's totally different to like, the likes of Salah and Diaz and stuff like that. Diaz is just a machine. He'll just run at you all day. Um, so, yeah, I, li- I liked the look of him on his debut. I thought he did okay. But like you said, it's not really a front front problem. The midfield is a huge problem. And it's difficult for me to analyse. You two club, you know your clubs better than me, know the club better than me and what you feel it needs. But just like when I watch there's just definitely an intensity issue. Like every, when when teams used to play out from the back against Liverpool, as soon as they played it in that six yard box, a lot of keepers just pass it short now. Boom, someone was on you all the time. Hendo, Fabi, um, Fabinho, Firmino, anyone just 
someone closing you down within three, four seconds of you taking a touch. Now it's just like, it's like you're letting teams just play out and sort of like the press is just starting a lot later than it used to. And I don't know, is that a physical thing? Is yes. Klopp telling them to do that? I don't know. I tell you what it is. Um, you're absolutely right. It's a really, really good point. Is the two people you t- used to leave the press, I'm thinking back to when we were really uh, like pressing teams horribly was Firmino from the start who started every single press because essentially Firmino was a midfielder that that Klopp made into a, a withdrawn kind of number nine or yeah. nine and a half or whatever he, he, he called him and then the other one was Wijnaldum and I'm not going to spend the whole podcast talking about Wijnaldum again but the fact of the matter is that someone like that give the other boys the opportunity to express themselves Um Quite a few people have said to me, I think we need two midfielders. And I think it's only one. I really believe it's only one because it'll provide different energy. Really? Right at this moment in time, Scott. Yeah, yeah, what, I do. One, and I, one now I think One now. So one now Oxley and one in the summer. and Kate are leaving the summer and Milner. Yeah, another one. Surely then another we need one. three. But... But to turn the season round now, Scott, yeah, yeah, yeah. I would bring I, what I would do. I'd bring one in now. I'd be I'd go for it. I'd put Trent into midfield, and I'd play Thiago because Thiago can then play with people with legs around him and do something because that would change the midfield. And that's the way I want Klopp to come out and do something. I want yeah. him to do something different. I'm not even saying that's the right solution. What yeah. I'm saying is we've got to think outside the box to get through this. And he always talks about finding solutions. And I'm sure he will have considered every other solution, and including that one, and he will have played it off and worked down his mind what would happen. And But he's just got to try something different. Gapco's walking into a team that's lacking in confidence. He's never going to set the world alight. It's not like Diaz last year walked into a team that was doing really, really well. And you walk into a team that's doing well, and you're just going to hit the ground running. Yeah. It's like Haaland this season. He just hit the ground running. Because he's getting loads of the ball, loads of the chances, everything's on a plate to him. And Gapko's got to make it happen himself. That's a different type of thing to put on a new player. I think it's a lot to put on him to expect him to do it. I think he'll add to the team. Um, but he's certainly not going to answer our midfield problems, Scott. As much as you want me to say that, I don't think he's going to change anything. Unless, unless we try to decide to change formation. Because if you think back, remember when Remember when Klopp tried that Salah as the central striker for for a bit of a season? Bit of a um, four, four, two, yeah. yeah, and it was in it, yeah, and it become like a four-two-three-one at points as well. Yeah. I mean, four, you could maybe see, yeah, and you, yeah, absolutely, you can maybe see Gapco and that type of thing. But they've also got defensive responsibilities there, and it's about making sure them players understand when they can go, when they can't go, what they do in transition, and in transition, we are awful we are compared to what we were we're vulnerable we, aren't we we're, we're yeah, vulnerable we every were. time every team we play whether it's Forest or Leeds or Leicester I mean then three were down there at the start of the season um, Saturday Wolves every team that plays it they look like a quality outfit I can't Why remember who that? it was they, I don't know but I can't remember who it was but when the build up to the second Wolves goal it got the ball 40 yards out, ran into the box and challenged and played a pass. And it's like, that should not be happening at any level of football, let alone in the Premier League, let alone Liverpool, let alone Jurgen Klopp's Liverpool. It just stinks of something is badly wrong. And it, whether it be too many players out of form, too many players carrying injuries, players who are struggling for not, whatever reason. Not physically capable of doing that over 40 games anymore he has to change it like there's literally no way you can go to may playing the same way and like you said if he hasn't got the fit the the fit bodies to change personnel then you just give the players different instructions like you've been so used to like both fullbacks being able to bomb on at the same time knowing that the insurance is there with like a Fabinho or if the ball broke down Hendo had the legs to get back in etc or you had a Wijnaldum that could recover but because you haven't got the legs in the midfield now but you're still doing the same things and they're still doing the same pattern of play with the rest of the team 
you've got literally no one that can recover. Like, and that's what OB's just said. Like, the transition, you are terrible. And it looks like teams are just ripping through you and, and having so many overloads. Sometimes it's like 5v4 in their favour, etc. And it looks like you're chasing a Champions League final 1-0 down all the time because you literally haven't got players that have got the energy or the legs or the capacity to get up and down for 90 minutes anymore. And like you said... Hendo, all those boys, they've been going full tilt for like four or five years, playing the clock way, 60 games a season. They're probably shattered. They're probably legs have gone. They probably have actually gone. Do you know what I mean? And like Van Dyke, when you think ACL, done, he's never going to come back the same. It's very rare someone comes back at that age from an ACL and it's the same player. And he's not the same player. Do you know what I mean? Fact, he can't come away from that. And as good as Matip is, and as good as he is, because he is top draw, like you said, all the he's the wrong side of thirty now. Do you know what I mean? Or, or he's get, going to be the wrong side of thirty within a year's time. So it's like, like you said, the spine of the team just really needs looking at. I think Nunes can be that guy if 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 things go right for him. Like you said, he he scored goals. He, he, there's probably more positives than negatives with him. He's a little bit somebody who's an easy target for banter and stuff. But all in all, like you said, he's not a problem. Do you know what I mean? He, he's still doing a lot of the right things. He's finishing and his composure needs to improve. He's still young. That can happen. But like you said, the midfield is a huge issue. And putting Trent into midfield might actually be a good good option and a good solution. I'd, I think if if push comes to shove, throw Ramsey right back. What have you got to lose? Do you Joe know what I mean? Gomez. Joe Gomez. Or Gomez either. It doesn't yeah. matter. It doesn't matter. Any of them. I what know he's a centre-back by trade, but so is Ben White. And he's, he's on his way to winning the league with Arsenal at right back. So, yeah. but going on to the Trent thing, I mentioned a few podcasts ago, the, the one thing that I think would be on Klopp's mind is if Trent did do well, he, like you say, he could never go back to right back, nor would he probably want to. He, he's probably always wanted to get into midfield and there might be a bit of um, some conversations going on between him and Klopp that, you know, one day for the last five years, he's been right back and he, he wants five years in centre mid because that's his natural position. You don't know, but that might be a sticking point that there's no one to put in in his place and if it works out well, he can never go back. But I think for me, obviously in December there was all the Ferrari over potential takeover. That's all gone quiet now. But even Jurgen Klopp in his um, presses was kind of hinting towards some action in January. Do you think that action was Gakpo and that's it now? Or or do you think Klopp was maybe promised something that they've gone back on now? Or was the promise someone like Enzo for 50 million when we contacted uh, Benfica? They're like, no, it's release clause, 120 million euros. That obviously counts us out. What do you imagine has gone on, on OB? Because in the last couple of presses... Jürgen's not mentioned anything really about transfers or the window or he's, he's in fact he's even mentioned the whole where I kind of sell to buy club sort of thing running within our means and all them sound bites I try I try to avoid listening to the presses too much I'll, I'll listen to little bits of them but I think of a lot of the times that Klopp's used them previously as distraction and I'm wondering if that was what he was doing before where he was just buying himself some time believing that the team would be in a better place and the questions would go away. That could have happened. Um, he hinted, but he didn't really say anything. And it was like, there was like something going on in the background. Could have been Gapco, could be more. Um, uh, it's impossible to tell. It's impossible to tell. He's one of them guys that he will give the illusion of being really straight talking, but quite often he's just, aggravated by the press and you see that an awful lot and he just makes life very very difficult for them and and a lot of them are doing it now where they don't really respond they tend to ask a question back which makes it very difficult for the press to ask answer questions and ask questions because they, they think this route's going to take me down here and he's going to end up closing me down and going on to the next person so it is difficult to get much out of them and I think I see a demeanour change in Klopp, though, and I don't know whether that's just that he's under pressure, um, that he's feeling it, that maybe something hasn't gone the way that he wanted it to go, or whether he's just pissed off because he's not winning football games, which I think it that's what it is. Um, he's a serial winner. He wants to win. 
He wants to entertain. He wants to play good football. He wants everybody to feel good about um, the football that Liverpool play. And when we aren't playing beautiful football, he does seem to get annoyed. He really does. I'm glad you said that, Ruby, actually, because I've been saying that about Klopp for for a number of weeks now in terms of like his demeanour and how he feels and like you said deep down he probably knows there's there's another rebuild there's another project there and and how much fight has he got left to do that like like you said Liverpool will never die as a football club so it, even if he goes at the end of next season or when, whenever he decides to go you'll move on so do you know what I mean as good as he's been and as much as people regard him as the messiah in terms of the Liverpool as a person who's won the title and stuff and rightly so he's been absolutely unbelievable for you the club the clubs always move on so there's that point but I just think when when you're talking about midfielders and the echelon of the midfielders that you're actually talking about they're all 100 million plus apart the only one I can think of is Moses Caicedo from Brighton and I just don't think they're going to let him go in January because They've got to find a replacement for him. They might not be able to get a replacement. I think they're looking around 50, 60 million. I think he's probably the most realistic target in terms of the fee that I think Liverpool are willing to pay. They've already paid 40 million for Gakpo. It's very rare Liverpool spend 100 million in January. It's very rare any top Premier League clubs really spend that in January as well. Do you know what I mean? So I think that's quite a big outlay. I really can't see Liverpool doing that. I really can't. I mean, as soon as the World Cup finished and Argentina won it, I think Enzo Fernandez's price doubled, to be honest. Do you, do you know what I mean? Like, as, There was no talk about his release clause before the World Cup ended. I think people probably would have felt confident that you could get him for around 60, 65 million, talented boy. And then as soon as he won the World Cup, scored the winning... Oh, no, he didn't score the winning penalty, but as soon as the World Cup finished bang, we won 120 million. And this is what happens in the market. Mm-hmm. I know people, a lot of people have said, man, you have ruined it and stuff, but all it takes is a good World Cup, a good tournament and that. And just this premium gets slapped. I mean, Declan Rice, you're not getting him for any less than 90 to 100. Like, Moyes has been very stubborn with him over, over the past 18 months to two years. I think Chelsea United have been linked with him. Always said he's not for sale. Bellingham, no chance. You're not getting him in that fee. So then you, then you look and you think, Nunes for Wolves, I know you liked this Nunes and how he played. How did you think Nunes played this weekend, um, Matthias Nunes for Wolves? Would you have liked him in your midfield? Oh, um, he, he just looked great energy. And he, he was, he, he come on, his sub, didn't, didn't he? he? He didn't even start the game. Yeah. And he out, outshone yeah. our midfielders um, for tackling. I know that wasn't hard when they had one tackle between the two of them, but... We were in for him in the summer. We were heavily linked with him. I don't know how much he went to Wolves for. Do any of you? Was it less than the forty-five million getting touted now? It must be surely. I'm not sure what the fee was, to be honest. Is he the profile you feel your midfield sort of needs, or? The, the well, profile uh, can, is quite can, can simple I... at the minute for me. It's yeah. twenty-two to twenty-four years old, bags of energy, and related to Ginny Wijnaldum. Mm. <laughs> I want I want more I I think he's a good player I think he's a good Premier League player I want more than that and maybe I'm being selfish and maybe I'm going okay put him put him into that midfield like I talked about earlier is he going to turn us around maybe a little bit and maybe it's, more energy for me Obi, it's a bit he, it's a bit like the, the Virgil van Dijk and Jamie Carragher saying remember I said that in the last poddy Jamie Carragher was like, Virgil van Dijk is not going to solve all Liverpool's defensive problems. Yeah. But I said, well, he will, because not only is van Dijk in the team, but Lovren's not. This will be like that. You're going to have a player in there with bags of energy, and it'll just mean we're not relying on a Harvey Elliott, 19 years old. And he's took a lot of criticism online in the last couple of days. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of it yeah. is unjust, but... A lot of people, like I'm about to, are protecting him, thinking this isn't his fault. He's too young to be carrying the Liverpool midfield on his shoulders. He, he should, we shouldn't even be using him as much as we're using him. Henderson is, he's pretty much done now. I was delighted after his World Cup, but he looks burnt out again. He looks really burnt out. Maybe the World Cup's burnt him out. I don't know. Um, Fabinho, well documented. Everyone's saying his legs are gone. Thiago will be 32 soon. So. It's not so much, is he the midfielder that can win his leagues? For me, I always look at it, 
is he better than what we've got at the minute? And I think, yeah, I'd love him to drop into that midfield. Yeah. Okay, I get, I get it, I get it, but I slightly disagree in as much as if we went big in January and if we got, I'm going to throw some names out like Fernandez or Bellingham or even Amrabat or some someone like that, right? If we went big, who I think are all better midfielders than than that lad, even though he had a good game on Saturday and he looked good for Wolves, but he come on as sub, he was fresh against a tired, worn out Liverpool that aren't in any sort of form. Um, I think that could make a real difference to push him to the top four. I'm not sure that bringing him in on his own could do that. I just don't feel it. I, I think we need to go and give the rest of the team a boost by having a player in who makes a real difference. And for me, if Liverpool are going to go for Bellingham, they need to just break the bank and do it in January. Or if it's Fernandez, break the bank and do it in January. What about Declan Rice? I read uh, online today that he's in the last 16 months of his contract. Is that true? That he's only got a year left in the summer? Yeah, it is. Yeah. I mean, that's true. You're talking down to 60, 70 million, surely. But he's being heavily linked with Chelsea. And I think Chelsea's his natural go-to because he's basically best mates with Mason Mount outside of football. And that therefore means that it, there's always been an ambition there. But if Chelsea aren't doing well, maybe now's the time to sneak in. They're not going to get Champions League football next season. Maybe someone else can tempt them away. It wouldn't surprise me if someone like United or City are in for him as well, though, because he's the sort of guy who can make a real difference in 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 a in a squad. Um, if United say had Casemiro and Rice, they would be controlling a lot of football games and. and Trav would be a very, very happy man, I imagine. I, mean, <laughs> I think there's like there's a pot of four or five, and there's four or five clubs, and one of those clubs is going to miss out, and those midfielders are going to go to those clubs. So if I name those players, there's like Enzo, there's Bellingham, there's Rice, and then there's like Caicedo, and then there's like this Nunes or whatever, and then you've got Real Madrid, Liverpool, Chelsea, United, City, and then there's yeah, so one of those is going to miss out. And I just think, like, it's all going to have a domino effect. I think, see, with Enzo and Rice, I think that link to Rice and Chelsea is quite concrete. But then it all depends on Enzo, because it looked like they were getting Enzo. So, like, if they were to get Enzo, I don't think they'd get Rice or vice versa. Do you know what I mean? So I think there's, it's going to be so interesting in the summer. I do, I do not think, like Obi's saying... If Liverpool don't think they can get a special midfielder in January, I don't think they'll pull the trigger. I think they'll wait. It might be painful, but like you said, back in that 21 season when you badly needed centre-halves and everyone was injured and you risked it and you went with Nat Phillips and you still got into the top four, um, I think you got like Quebec on loan uh, or whatever and just got through. But you did it, do you know what I mean? So I think they'll be thinking in, in similar circumstances. If we can just somehow get into the top four by hook or by crook um, and then wait to the summer and then go big then with the money because I just don't think you've got the money to do it. And I, and clubs are very reluctant to sell in January, top clubs, unless they know they're getting a big, big fee. And that's the thing as well. Like Enzo's not going to leave for less than his um, buyout clause now. So I, on that note, I don't think Liverpool are going to buy a midfielder. I really don't. Do you know what, Obi? I, I know it's... <laughs> I've mentioned before it's like we're bipolar, and it really is, so I can only apologise. Last stream, I'm sure I said we were having Enzo um, and Bellingham. And now, <laughs> just listening to you, you're right. FSG don't spend any money. So unless we're going to mortgage the club by about £200 million to revitalise the squad, which we won't do because of all their other sporting commitments with their other teams. If they do it for Liverpool, they've got to do it with the Boston Red Sox, yada, yada, yada. Ah, we're not going to do it, are we, Obi? We just haven't got 200 million. It really is as simple as that. It's buyout or bust. I, I, I'm worried that we don't get anybody in January. Um, but I do think we need to. And I think there might be a point where somebody from within the, the football side of it would be Klopp or would be Pet Lindars or someone like that is going to turn around to the club and go we need a player or else we're not getting top four and that 
could cause a lot more ruction back and behind the scenes because that will be a, a we need to stump up now and I imagine if do, they, do you think they really already, care do you think they really care Obi they're building the, the new stand which just has more on their, their equity do you think they really what, care what, what, get what, right. I, I think oh, it all matters. depends it depends what transfer targets are riding on it as well so for example like Bellingham if he says in the summer he'll come if you get Champions League and you don't get in it and they don't come as a result of that they'll care massively um, so again if you think if you think the midfield's the biggest problem area and you need to get Champions League football in order for that player to get in it's same with us we did it when we wanted Eden Hazard. I can remember we badly wanted him and we missed out on him because we didn't get in the Champions League and he went to Chelsea. It's happened to us a lot of times over the years. We've that's, been very... that's why they should go in January. That's what, You're absolutely right. That's why they need to go in January. And that's why I think that if you look at the points and where we are in the table and what we need to do, it's not outside the realms of possibility. You bring Bellingham or Fernandez in in January... I think we'll still get top four. I really do. If you don't, I think it's going to be difficult. And it's really at that point. And then starting to play that back, how much does that cost the club in a season? 100 million? So you, 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 you're spending 100 million to make sure you don't lose, you can, you'll get it back. You yeah. know what I mean? If you play it like that, and it's almost like that financial decision's got to be made in the right context. It's got to be made at the right time. But, I do feel like someone from the sporting side of the club as opposed to the financial side needs to have that conversation if they haven't done already. And then it's about availability, getting over the line in January and, and making sure the numbers add up, as we all know. Let's address the elephant in the room. The tweet or the post that Trav shared today that Klopp could even consider giving Cater and Oxlade-Chamberlain new deals the way they've been integrated back into the team after injury. If that happens, Ob, I don't want to because we're it's, we're on a podcast. I don't want to make promises, <laughs> but it doesn't even bear thinking about. But could it be a distinct possibility if we do miss out on top four? We've got no money. There's a two-year contract for both of you because oh, no. you know if if them two if them two are the answer, I genuinely don't know what the question is. I cannot work out what we would do with either of them. Um, Cater for me hasn't become the player that I hoped he would. Um, he's, he's busy. Rubbish. He's rubbish, Obi. He's rubbish. He's, he's busy. He he seems to be someone that Klopp seems to keep giving chances to, um, but he's not good enough. And Oxley Chamberlain, and I keep saying this, and I don't tend to pull him out on it, but he hasn't been right since he was he, he was injured that time, and that's not that lad's fault. That's due to circumstance of being injured, never properly recovered. Doesn't look like he's got any confidence in his football and ability anymore. Looks like he's struggling. He will never be the player that he was pre-injury because he, he, he started tearing up as when he was with us early. Yeah. And um, that's just really died off. And um, it's a shame, but that's football. And, and financially, he's, he's sorted for the rest of his life, I imagine. So... Um, we just need to. We need to not be giving two-year contracts to people like that. I think I would be very surprised if Klopp thought any different. And then James Milner, <laughs> if he gets another one-year deal, I'm not going to make promises, but I question my commitment to the 23-24 season if that plays <laughs> out that way in the summer. Wow! You just, not, need a, clear, gonna... you just need a few bits of dead wood clearing out. You really do. You really do. Like they, they're they're three players that I've just got to. You just gotta say, even if you sort out a couple of testimonials, but you just gotta say thank you and goodbye, mate. Like they they, they can't yeah. be in the team. It's just like like you said, it's not fair on the fans. It's not fair on the team. Painful players like Carvalho and Harvey Elliott. They're just never gonna develop with them boys like in and around the the starting lineup every week. It's just killing them boys. I don't even. I said on one of the first person podcast we ever did I didn't think Harley, Harvey Elliott was an actual central midfield player the way he moves it reminds me of like a Foden he definitely needs to be in the final third making things happen whether that's central or just drifting in he's not a midfield player in that in the system you sort of play with with like you said those conventional eights bombing on box to box like he's not that type of player to me um 
So again, and I, and I don't think Klopp will use him in that way when, you, when you've got the midfielders there that you want. So like you said, it's a little bit square pegs, round holes. But as a short-term fix, he's got to do something, whether that's trend in midfield or a change in formation. We, you can't continue playing like the way you are from now to the end of the season. I expect anything from it. We'll end on that note. You feel any better, Obi? I'm not sure. How do you feel? I think I feel worse after that poddy. Normally, <laughs> I feel better. <laughs> I think I've just realised in the last 10 minutes that FSG have pretty much <laughs> bought Thiago and Jota on HP during COVID. We're probably still paying them off. You talk about, you know, get Bellingham now. We probably haven't even got 100 million in the bank. Dortmund probably wouldn't accept 20 million instalments for the next five years. We're probably skinned. But then again, strange things happened in football. I remember saying Arsenal are skinned and they've just spent 350 million in three summers. That's an hour. Cheers, lads. Um, if anyone's been watching this far, really appreciate it. If you've liked what you've seen, don't forget to hit subscribe. If you haven't already, hit smash the like as well. Trav, OB, it's been a pleasure. Let's hit up again. Uh, around Thursday, Friday to preview the weekend. We've definitely got to do it. It's the Manchester derby and it's Liverpool away to Brighton, isn't it? At three o'clock. Yeah. So that's another banana skin because we're absolutely honking away from home. So join us for that. Why don't you? Trav, Obi, thanks ever so much. Thank you. Cheers.